the world could this actually happen? How could I be pregnant? I know God said this would happen, but how could I have a child growing inside me when I've ever been with a man, ever? It's not possible. It's not logical. My reason tells me this isn't happening. That something, it doesn't come from nothing. But I know that nothing inside me has actually inconceivably become something. I can feel it. Though my mind tells me one thing, my body is definitely screaming the opposite. What will Joseph think? What will he do? How will I explain? How will I explain this to him? This makes no sense. There is no explanation. But yet, there is one. God. Even though I can't explain this, I don't understand this. God said this would happen. Could he be the only unreasonably reasonable explanation of this? I can't deny what's happening to me, but I can't explain it either. My experience is competing with my logic, and my experience, it seems to be winning. If God's son has actually been conceived in me, I won't be able to stop it, to change it, or explain it away. I'm going to have to believe it, even if I can't explain it. She's pregnant? And she says the baby is from God? I've heard some excuses before, but this one is over the top. I thought we had a good thing. Her family was overjoyed when I asked for her hand in marriage. And mine too. I trusted her. Man, I, I saved myself for her. I was convinced she would do the same for me. I thought Mary was different. I, I was wrong. She is just like all the other girls. That is the last time I'll be made a fool of. Never again. Guess the only thing to do now is divorce her quietly, avoiding the, the embarrassment of uh, the unfaithfulness. It's less embarrassment for me, for her, for our families. I cannot believe this is happening to me, to me. But what if, what if what she's saying is true? What if this baby really is God's? What if, what, if, what if God really has chosen Mary, chosen us, to deliver his son into the world? I guess the only way to know if this is real is to trust Mary, to trust God. That's a big risk. I'd be putting my reputation, my future, my heart on the line. I'm going to have to trust even though I don't understand it.
We've seen the star. I know what that means. The king of the Jews has been born. We've been looking and waiting for the coming of this king. But what it really means is I have a decision to make. Kings are to be honored, revered, and worshiped. That means a gift is in order. That means a journey must be taken. This is no easy journey. It is far. It may be dangerous. I will have to leave my family, my friends, my work. Will we actually be able to find him? Am I willing to put everything that I have on the line? All for what? This king is only a child. Maybe I can put off this trip until he comes into power, and then I will truly know he is king of the Jews. After all, the Jews don't even really have power. The Romans won't like the idea of the Jews having a king. This whole idea of a journey to worship a king may be interpreted as rebellion against Rome. I could lose my money, my family, my friends, my life. Wouldn't it just be easier to remain at home and wait until the timing is better? But what could I be missing out on? Why is this child, this king, so special? Could I experience something more than this comfortable, safe life that I'm living? Is there something better that he has? After all, not every baby comes into this world with a star as a sign. I'm just going to have to risk, even though I really want to play it safe. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will experience everlasting life. That's a verse that, as a church family, we've been digesting over this last month. And embedded in the middle of that verse is the one requirement that God puts on us in order to truly experience life. The Father loves us enough to give us His Son. The Son is willing to come and to give His life for us. And then God asks us to do one thing, to believe. To believe in Jesus to experience life. Believing can be one of the greatest challenges for a human being. In fact, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was born, each person had to come to grips with the reality that God was doing something bigger than they could understand, something greater than they could really get their minds around. In fact, 2,000 years now, fast forward to today, when we are confronted with the reality of Jesus' birth, that the God of the universe would come into human flesh, we are as well confronted with the same reality. Will I choose to believe or not? See, I think one of the, the first hurdles that many of us experience when it comes to the concept of God or specifically understanding Jesus and believing in Him is that we play the role of the skeptic. Much like possibly Mary in her own private moments when confronted with this truth that now a child was growing inside of her, it made no sense. And so she had to grapple with her own skepticism of what God said would be true because it seemed impossible. And for some of us, we, we share that same skepticism. In fact, really, what we do as skeptics is we can find 10,000 reasons, rational explanations of why something is not true. 
but we struggle with the one reason why deep inside our souls there's an emptiness. We can't explain it. We can't come up with a, a logical explanation for it. And one of the reasons there's a challenge in our skepticism when it comes to understanding who Jesus is, is as, as a skeptic, we want information. We want to understand. We want to explain before we believe, before we really know. But see, God comes to us on different terms. God doesn't come to us as a concept. He doesn't come to us as a subject that we study or that we try to understand by more knowledge. God comes to us through Jesus as a human being that can relate to us, desiring one thing from us, relationship. He wants to be with us. He wants to be in relationship with us. And as any human relationship that we experience is true of us, is true of God. When it comes to relationship, we don't study each other. We don't explain each other. We don't try to understand each other before we seek to know each other. My wife's name is Kim, and we've been married for quite some time. And if you fast or you roll the clock back when we first started dating, if I approached her on our first date and I said to her, I really want to get to know you, but before I do that, I need to explain you. I need to understand you. I need to study you. I need to have rational explanations why you're real and why I should date you. Now, if I took that stance with my wife all those years ago, do you think she would have gone out on a date with me? Probably not. What you and I do in human relationships is that we seek to know each other. And in knowing each other, we begin to understand each other. We begin to be able to explain with each other. And then this thing called belief is answered to in other people. See, the answer to our skepticism is God is not a subject. He is a God to be related to that desires to be in relationship. That's why Jesus came, to make a way for us to be reconciled back to God. Or maybe you play the role of maybe what Joseph had to experience in his own cynicism about what Mary was telling him. Can you imagine the woman that you are engaged to be married with comes to you and tells you that she's pregnant and that this baby is from God? Slightly crazy. So there had to be, before Joseph experienced an angel to clarify for him what he was experiencing, there had to be within him this cynicism. And cynicism comes from this idea that somehow, at one point in my life, I have believed in someone or something or even in God, and it never panned out, which led to my own disappointment and disillusionment with people and with God. We become the cynic, which means we can't believe that it's really true because we've been wounded and hurt in the past. So how can we embrace some reality or God himself if all he'll do is lead us to disappointment? See, I think one of the things I've discovered in my life about the way God works is that cynicism at its core has this concept of God that is not true of who he is. See, God defines himself in the scriptures as father. And father is a relational concept, father and child. But what we like to create God in, our, the image we like to portray for him, is not father, but really a better description is genie. See, what a genie does is that you speak your wish and you ask for what you want, and the genie is obligated to grant your wish. And all good genies give you what you ask for. But see, we apply that to God. And we assume and we expect and we, we make sure that, that we know what we want and then we tell God, this is what I need to be happy, to live life, to be what I'm supposed to be. And when God doesn't answer the way we want him to, somehow he ceases to be God. And we become disappointed with him. 
See, if we understand God that way, we'll always find ourselves disappointed because we've defined him instead of he, him defining himself. And the difference between a genie and a father is love. See, a father loves their child in such a way that if you're a parent, and even if you're a child, which fits all of us in this room right now, a good parent knows what their child needs and knows what their child wants and knows what their child should and shouldn't have at every stage of their life. So God being father means when we ask him for something in his wisdom and his love and his care for his kids, he decides whether we should have that or we shouldn't. See, if God is really good, then when we don't get what we think we want, he's still good because he knows what he's doing. Maybe you're not a skeptic. Maybe you're not a cynic. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for most of your life. Maybe you've attended church often throughout the years. But maybe there's another point that you're grappling with in your own faith. And that is, you become passive. Can you imagine what it would be like if you understood stars and you understood things that aligned in the sky and a star appeared that you knew determined that there was a king that was born? And when you saw that star, you knew what that meant, which meant, I have to leave to find this king. And from what we can understand from history, when the wise men or the magi left on their journey to find Jesus, they didn't arrive at the manger. Estimates are it took months, if not years, for them to finally come to worship Jesus. And so in considering this journey, they had to come to this place with, I know what I'm about to do. I'm leaving what's familiar. I'm leaving my family. I'm leaving my business. I'm going to offer something of value. And I know it could be dangerous. And I know I could put my life on the line, which the wise men did, because Herod wanted to kill Jesus. And in that, they, he tried to get them to give him information on Jesus so he could find him and he could kill him. So they made this decision. They made this decision to go, to risk everything even though people would have said, oh, play it safe. Wait till he grows up. See if he's really the king. For some of us in our faith, we've become passive. See, we, we think that God exists to make us safe and comfortable, to make life as easy as possible. But see, the life that Jesus came to give us, the life that we gain by believing in him is a life that isn't about comfort and safety. It's about risk, it's about danger, and it's about truly living. And all of us have to make that decision. When I was first learning to swim, I was afraid to drown. That was my greatest fear. And so my version of swimming took on a very safe, controlled element to it. When I would jump into the pool, I would only jump towards the side of the pool in the shallow end where I could stand. My greatest fear is that jumping into the pool, my head would go under the water, I would stop breathing, breathing and I would die. So for probably a year, when I went swimming, I would jump into the shallow and grab the side of the pool, and I thought, this is truly living. Until I watched my three older sisters and their friends. And they would always go running into the water and dive in headfirst in the deep end. And I would watch that from the shallow and hanging onto the side of the pool, thinking, that looks so fun. And then I'd watch them dive down to the bottom and grab a ring that they were playing with and bring it back up to the top, and, and everyone would cheer and how fun it was, and I thought that would be great. And then in that moment, as I began to think through what that would really mean, panic set in. What if I'm swimming to the bottom and I can't hold my breath, and I start to drown underwater, and no one knows I'm drowning, and I die? What if I get to the ring and I get back to the surface, and I'm in the middle of the pool, and there's nothing to grab, and I can't swim to the side, and I drown, and I die? So in my mind, I thought, 
I should just stay here in the shallow end, hanging on to the side of the pool, because at least I'm not going to die. I think sometimes in our faith, that's the result. That's what happens in us. And we get to this place where we think that's what life is. When, when John 3.16 says that I have life or eternal life, that somehow that's it. I just hang on for a dear life instead of giving my life away. The word believe is the key to understanding, explaining, following Jesus and living life. The word believe to many of us has become a cognitive adventure into understanding information about a concept. When Jesus spoke the word believe, that's not what he was talking about. Because the word he used had to do with believing into, not believing about. And so Jesus was saying, believing in me, into me, means relationship, which means I step out and I risk. That means that even in the midst of my skepticism, I choose, even though it doesn't make complete sense, I choose to step forward to believe. Even though I feel like I've been disappointed by God, I choose to move forward even if I don't understand it. And even in my passivity, I step beyond that risking. Instead of comfort, I choose risk. Tonight, we have an opportunity, each one of us, depending on where we find ourselves, when we're confronted with the reality of Jesus' birth, that the God of the universe loves humanity so much that he sent his son into the world with one objective, to make a way for human beings who, all of us have fallen into this category, who've chosen to be our own God in reality, who've chosen to do it our own way, and in doing that, we have disconnected ourselves from God because of our skepticism or our cynicism or our passivity, but Jesus comes and not only is born, then lives a perfect life and then goes to a cross, a point of crucifixion, a point of execution, not because he was flawed or imperfect, but because we were. And in his death on the cross, he took every moment of failure in all of our lives, in this one moment, took it on himself, beca on himself because there had to be a payment for our failure because that payment was required because of the barrier that we had created between us and God. When Jesus died, all of that debt was paid for. And because he was perfect, death had no power over him, so he rose from the dead. Which means that if you and I believe into Jesus, the barrier between us and God is gone. We are reconnected with God in this life, and then we are assured to see him face to face in the next life, which is why we were created. We were created to believe. We were created to be in relationship with God. That's what Christmas is about. So tonight, you have a decision to make. And I'm gonna simply ask you to do one easy thing, just gonna ask you to close your eyes for just a few moments, because I don't want you to see me, I don't want you to see anything up here, I just want you to be in your thoughts with what God is doing in you right now. I don't know the journey that it took to get you here, I don't know if this is, again, you've attended church your whole life, maybe somebody dragged you here tonight, maybe you don't even wanna be here, but you know that if you were honest with yourself, you have found yourself in the story. You have found yourself as the skeptic, as Mary possibly was in her own mind and her own thoughts. Or you've tried this thing called religion or going to church, or you think you've tried God, but you feel a sense of cynicism. 
it can't really be true. I've been disappointed before. Maybe you're here and you know that your faith has become passive and your belief is based on how easy and comfortable your life can be, not on the deep and profound things God wants to do in you that will require you to risk. Wherever you find yourself in that journey, in that story tonight, there's a decision to be made. If you're a skeptic, you're a cynic, and you've chosen to reject God based on your rational thought or based on your past experience, tonight God wants you to once again be reminded of how much he loves you. So much so that he gave his son, his one and only son. He didn't have a spare or an extra or many. He had one. And he gave him for you so that you could be reconnected with God. And what he's asking of you tonight is to believe. To take a step of faith. To trust in a God that you have yet to trust in. To choose to give your life over to him so that no longer do you play the role of your own God, but you let God be God in your life. You let Jesus be the leader of your life as he covers your past and your sin and he makes you right with God. And then the result is you experience life. If that's your desire tonight, then right now where you're at, God has given us amazing, an amazing gift called prayer. And when you begin to talk to God, he will hear you and respond to what you are saying right now. So even right now, I'm going to ask you, maybe you've never prayed in your life, you just begin to, even in your own thoughts, begin to tell God what it is inside of you that is happening at your desire to say, I'm moving beyond my skepticism, beyond my cynicism, and I want to choose tonight to believe in Jesus. And then finally, those who maybe find yourself in a place of passivity in your life, God is stirring something in you tonight that you can't continue living the life that you've been living. You've been hanging out in the shallow end. You've been playing it safe. And the definition that you have given about life and what life is falls short of the definition God has for your life. He has so much more for you. So I'm going to ask you, as you as well would pray and say, God, give me courage to truly believe. Give me a faith that calls me out from the easy, comfortable safe life to a life that risks everything to follow you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you in coming at Christmas and in coming into this world made a way to, for us as human beings to overcome our skepticism, that something that answers to our cynicism and challenges us beyond being passive in life because you have life. You've purchased life and you give it to us as a gift if we will believe. So give us the strength and the courage and the faith to truly believe in who you are in our lives. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.